This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's never easy to challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman. Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough. All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system, puts us into fight or flight mode, and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself, and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. When some people find my work, they are Mm -hmm. magnetized to it because they see some of themselves in me. And that to me is the job of all of us in, in this world is to get so damn comfortable in who you are. Welcome to FemPower Health. Georgie here. Today I bring to you Iona Holloway, who is the author of Ghost, Why Perfect Women Shrink. And if you may be wondering what a ghost woman is, here is a quote from her book. We grow up into the women no one asks about, not because we are not loved and admired, but because we are loved and admired. The assumption is that whatever we're doing, we do not need help, so we learn. I am on my own. So if this sounds like you, this is definitely your episode. Iona also helps strong women clear the emotional muck and glow again in their life and work. So let's take a listen to this discussion as Iona and I discuss our own experiences as ghost women and how we can overcome that to live our best life with authenticity. So Iona, thank you so much for joining me on the Fem Power Health Podcast and for sharing your awesome book with me, Ghost, Why Perfect Women Shrink. And for those who might be seeing the video version of this, I have lots of tabs. I used orange highlighter. Um, yes, so many things were highlighted on this book and a lot of it actually resonated with me as well. So thank you so much for sharing your journey and vulnerability and for today sharing the wisdom that you've learned in helping other women as well. So before we dive into all the cool quotes I highlighted and and what we're going to talk about, let's start (laughs) by introducing yourself and and how you came to the place you are in life and writing this book to share your journey with others. Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me, Georgie. I always love when I get to talk about my experience of what I think many people would call an eating disorder and depression. Uh, I think there's a lot of literature and books out there that talk about eating eating disorder recovery and what that looks like. And for me, who I am now, I'm Iona, I'm an inner work coach. I also have a breathwork app called Soul. I am a huge believer that everything that we do to survive in the world is exactly that. And for a long period of my life, 20 years plus, waging a war with with my body, striving for perfection in it was the way that I felt like I needed to move through the world. I don't feel any shame about it. I don't view it as a condition that I, or a disorder that I'm still in relationship with. I view it as something I use to survive for a long period in my life. And one of the things I love to talk about with 
women especially, is the ways that we learn to survive in our lives have worked for us until they stop working for us. And then we get to make a choice about choosing things that do work for us. But whatever it was that got us through, got us through. And then in healing, we get to understand why. And then we get to make different decisions. And so we go from surviving in our life, which is what I was doing for such a long time, to really glowing and thriving. And I'm very passionate about helping women understand that all of that freedom is inside, but to understand and get free, we just have to understand why we got into pain in the first place and own it and then choose differently. And that's, I mean, that is such an incredible summary of really what this this book is about and, and what you shared about your life. And I will say, um, like I said, there's so many different questions and ways I wanted to go about this, but I highlighted a couple of quotes that really resonated with me as a way to start. And then as you're comfortable sharing, you can talk more about your life story as we weave. So it says here um, on page 19, we grow up into women no one asks about, not because we are not loved and admired, because we are loved and admired. The assumption is that whatever we're doing, we do not need help. So we learn, I am on my own. Then I wanted to follow up with that in another powerful quote. And it was said, actually, I highlighted it in two different places in the book, but they were said different ways. So I picked this one as the one I would share. (laughs) Ghost woman's pain tolerance has a deadly capacity. And I, I would like to also share my own story and why this resonates so much. And it was just a timely evolution of how um, things have evolved this past week as well. And Because I think this can manifest not through just eating disorders, but as I read your book, I'm like, this manifests in so many different ways. And I recently got a note from my brother who's going through a lot of things and he's um, a year younger than I am by a year and two days. And so we grew up almost like twins, but I was still kind of the older Mm -hmm. sister. And he was going through some emotional stuff when we were little. And um, I, as I got older, I learned a lot more about what it was. And because my mother had to work with him, I learned later in life that because she saw me as, capable, I was kind of left to my own devices. And so I kind of learned, and you mentioned it in the book, to do it on my own. And um, what was so interesting is this week, my brother sent me a note and he says, based on a recent conversation we had, where I basically was like, I can't keep doing everything for everyone. And he said, you know, I thought a lot about what you said, and it's so interesting. You're right. You know, no matter how successful someone seems on the outside, we are all vulnerable and I guess I sometimes see you as superwoman all too often. And it was just like, whoa, like he sees me. And, you know, I'm kind of in this thing now too, where it's like, I've tried to live in this perfection and it's, it's exhausting. Um, And so again, however it manifests in our lives, I think trying to live in this perfect place, like I think you even mentioned, we all will get to our own reckoning. Right. Yeah. And I love what you shared there because that, So I'll just be honest. I have like room in my heart for all women. I have room in my heart for all women. But I see us split, not down the middle, 
But there are types of women who get a lot of help. And there are women that get no help. And often the women that get no help are the women who, on the face of it, don't look like they need it. And that can often manifest in you just being like a strong person out the womb or an independent one, or perhaps you're exhibiting capabilities as a child. And then again, like you pointed out in the quote, and I love, it's one of my favorite ones too. (laughs) One of my favorite, the assumption is we're fine. And when the assumption is that we're fine, what that doesn't leave space for is our own humanity. And what that doesn't leave space for is us opening our mouth and saying, actually, like, we don't even know how to do that. We don't learn how to do that when we're younger. And then we grow up into these women who are hyper independent, incredibly individualistic. But and because of these things, these beautiful, adaptive ways, we are often doing really well. In school, we're probably the one that's got straight A's. We've probably got a good job. All of these things. We've got all the glitter, I like to call it. But underneath that is a, and this was the case for me, it wasn't until I got to 29 where I realized that I had constructed an entire life based around not needing anyone. I had built like the entire fortress first in my body by just like making it the strongest, tiniest, perfect little thing that I could possibly could. But in all the ways that I was trying to collect and show, look at me, how well, how good I am. But in, in amongst all of that, I was alone, didn't even know what an emotion was, didn't know I was able to say to anyone, I'm struggling with this. I just didn't have any language around that. And so again, like I have, and I work with, and I have, like I said, space in my heart for all women, but I have a particular love for the ghost woman because I know what it's like to be the strong one who doesn't get seen. I know what it's like to be the one that everyone assumes is fine when you're not. And I also know how hard it can be when you are shining brightly to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say something is not right here because the fall can feel like that drop or that fear of losing that strength is very, very real for women like us. I know. And, and, you know, I guess what I want to do is almost get to the end of the story by giving this example to talk about how we're going to discuss this journey. Because there was another quote in your book, and it was, the outcome of this work is not white-knuckled happiness. So when we talk today, and when you read the book for the things we don't cover today, we are not going to give you white-knuckled happiness. So what can this look like? And then we can talk about some of the how to get there and things like that. So, so what does this look like if it's not white knuckled happiness? If it's not white knuckled happiness, well, happiness is like, what is that? (laughs) I can't even like, there is happiness is an emotion that I can feel about my life. But in the same way that I can't grab onto that, I can't grab onto sadness. I can't grab, like, I can't grab onto anything. Um, I think often when I'm working with people, they're like, I just want to feel happier. It's like, well, we need to figure out who we are first. <laughs> like we need to be able to hold ourselves and feel the full breadth of emotions and perhaps even turn those on and learn how to feel them in the first right. place. Like for me, like I, 
I don't know what I was experiencing when I was struggling so deeply because I was numb. Like I generally kind of had this sense that I didn't like myself, but I was numb. And that's why I love things like breath work for helping people to actually connect to and get into their bodies so we can start to feel something. Um, but to like answer your question, white knuckled happiness, gripping onto that is as bad as gripping onto your pain. It's just the same thing. And also when, when I see people like high vibing <laughs> all the time, all they're doing then is bypassing the reality of what it is to be a human, which is to feel all things, to feel all emotions, to come up against struggle, to come up against, like, am I a happy person all the time now? No. Do I love my life? Yes. Why? Because I'm actually alive in it. <laughs> like I make choices based on liking myself, respecting myself. Um, I built a life to reflect those things. I didn't even know what those were until I started to do healing and inner work. I had no idea. Talk to us then about this women and perfectionism. You know, is it inherent in women? Because I know there's certain themes that I see with women specifically, like a lot of these, like, for example, if you want to put labels on things, eating disorders and whatnot, um, they tend to be more frequent in women. So would you say that this perfectionism is really inherent with women? I think it can be, but I also think that there is a very, in the way that we often talk about perfectionism, I think we often tie it into type A-ness or we see perfectionism as having like incredibly high standards or maybe someone that's very high achieving. And I actually think perfectionism can manifest in lots of different ways. I, I view perfectionism as chronic safety seeking. That's, that's the way that I think about perfectionism. And when you start looking at perfectionism as chronic safety seeking, then you can also see why someone wouldn't go and try a new fitness class that they were kind of drawn to or interested in, or why they wouldn't put themselves up for a job that feels like a little bit out of reach, or you wouldn't have a conversation with your partner um, that you're like, you're scared to bring up something. Because when we're trying to be perfect, what we're actually trying to do is be safe. And so that will mean that we will say no to trying new things. We'll say no to being honest and having courageous conversations with people. We'll say no to shooting for the moon and like really going for it in our creative work or in our business or whatever it is, because that's all perfectionism is to me. It's embodied, chronic safety seeking. And that can show up as procrastination just as much and not doing things um, as much as it can show up as having a very high standard for your for your stuff whether or not I think it's like inherent to all women maybe um I also think that the way that perfectionism manifested in me and the way I see it in women I work with is it's that classic nature and nurture like we all come out the way that we are uh, we all come out with certain attributes and qualities and then based on the environment that we're raised in that either that shines or pours energy into those things and it can manifest in lots of different ways um, and so I think that that's more you may come out the womb with a bit more of a predisposition to that kind of being but then it's really that combined with maybe being raised without 
as much attention as other people or with assumption made about other people that hardens you and like into your perfectionism and so it becomes the way that you that you move through the world um but I hope that answers your question I think there's like different expressions of it um and it's a classic case of some may be more predisposed to that way of being than others but then based on the environment that you're in that gets expressed in different ways so you mentioned about how with this perfectionism you know we want to either in, like be really safe by either avoiding things or being really careful with the decisions we make. What about um, this aspect of possibly risk-taking? Do you see some elements of risk-taking even there to like test the waters that people may do as well to kind of stir the pot? Uh, that's interesting. Um, so I perhaps came out with a wee bit of a predisposition towards perfectionism, but I also came out a little bit of a black sheep, a little bit of the odd middle child out. And I was that child that was pretty questioning and not just kind of taking everything as it was um, and kind of filing the dissenting opinion on things. Like my, my grandpa used to call me contrary Mary because I was sort of, you know, um, a wee bit perhaps different um, than my than my siblings. And I think that, that that played into what became my identity, which was this kind of very stoic and strong person who was also just like a law unto herself, um, which I think kind of played into that, like slightly for me anyway, I kind of became quite comfortable with the idea that I was this misunderstood person, that no one could possibly understand like what I was what I was going through um but for the other definition of risk risk taking uh, I think that and by that I mean like trying like trying things or being brave or just taking like going for it um I actually think perfectionism often stops that dead in its tracks it certainly did for me in my case um there's this I, I I joke with people like I like to get my fix and so I chase after like I'm I'm always that person who will like try like right now tennis is my thing so tennis is my fix so now it's like tennis 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 all the time tennis taking lessons playing tennis and then I get to a point that I'm happy with something and then I usually switch um and so Mm. then it's like what's the next thing I can achieve so I chase chase my highs (laughs) and yeah um yeah, it's like a really weird thing, but I also like like to do things well. But with the sports, it's like I like that's where I get the high, and then the rest of my life, every all the ducks have to be in a row. And so, yeah, it's the weirdest. Mm. <laughs> I always think I can relate to that. Um, I've been well, the pattern that I've been noticing in myself is I really like to feel successful. That's something that I, I don't think everyone is naturally driven by that. Like some people feel like they want to contribute or, you know, other things. But I'm pretty clear on the fact that I really like to feel successful. And sometimes when I, I'll do things, I'll live my life and then I'll zoom out <laughs> 10,000 feet and kind of watch myself. And I'll almost see myself having to manufacture experiences of feeling successful or like I've overcome things or that I've really done well today um I'll see that in myself and I'm like oh there you go 
what are you trying to achieve there? Like, what are you trying to prevail over? Why are you trying to feel successful that way? And what need is that? What what are you trying to prove or what need is that meeting? And it's not a bad right. thing, uh, but I but I think it's it's kind of fascinating to notice yeah. your patterns because say even for me, my embodied war with perfectionism, like that true like shrinking of myself, the controlling of my food, the weighing of my body, all that stuff. I haven't done that now for years. It actually fell off. I think because I was the reckoning, like I was ready to to heal and it wasn't working for me anymore and so because I was ready to heal I healed but perfectionism the elements of that they still show up in my life all the time it's just it's much more subtle and way less painful um which you know we're human (laughs) we don't just transcend the human experience just because we do some healing and breath work uh but it's a very different uh, relationship that I have with that when I'm able to see it now than before because before I had no idea what I was doing I was just in yeah pain. no it's true and and I will say like I joke and I like talk about it. I'm like I need I, I'm in the mood for a fix I have no idea why this is this is my fix and I'm like well I'm playing tennis I'm not hurting anyone that's that's what it is today yeah. and who knows how long it'll last I hope forever because I really like it <laughs> I love tennis too I grew up so interestingly I grew up playing tennis and I played tennis and okay. field hockey, and I was good. I was good at both, uh, but I consciously made the decision to play hockey and give up tennis because I was so horrific to myself playing on the court because it was just me. It was it was at that time it was excruciatingly painful. My what I now know as inner criticism and self judgment and getting on top of myself, perfectionism in many ways made me made tennis in t- like completely impossible for me, and so I went to team sports. <laughs> well, okay, and I cannot believe we're doing this on this podcast, but hey, here we go. So here's what's interesting for me: tennis has I feel like it's opened up being vulnerable. Because you know what I hide behind? My brain. Because I will research the heck out of anything. So that, because I'm a consultant by day. And so I go into clients and a lot of times it's unknown situations or I have to make decisions quickly or react or solve a problem in a very short amount of time. And so I will always do my research, but that gives me comfort in helping people understand my limitations because I've done the research to know what those are. When I show up on the court... I'm having to react to someone else's ball. And the only thing Mm -hmm. I can do is hope I practiced enough. But if my brain isn't in the right place or if I hit the ball wrong too many times, my psyche gets messed up. And so I've actually been telling my um, coaches, like, I need help, like figuring out how to get through my brain space because I feel like I'm exposed with all of you. And it's too much for me mm-hmm. because I've been able to hide. And I didn't realize this until I started playing tennis. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm laughing because one of my one of my clients took up tennis for this exact same thing. I was I think like it would be great for you to go and practice. I view practicing or trying new things, getting into friction and interaction with your environment. That is a practice in bravery. That is a trusting in the unknown because yes, like you can't control where the ball goes. You can't control how someone else plays. You can't really control any of these things. And it's a very 
I'm always saying to people like you heal, you do inner work, you learn all this stuff through the action of living and then relating to it differently. So let's assume that we're going to get deeply uncomfortable at tennis. Or for me, like this year when I took up jujitsu, let's assume that this is going to be deeply uncomfortable. So then what skills can we practice in this moment to be able to be present to it, open your heart to it, parent yourself while you're doing this. Um, like give yourself the experience that you never had as a child. Uh, these are like sport is great for that. New hobbies are great for that. I always encourage it. Like go out there and live and use the skills that you've learned in a work or breathing or whatever it is. I'm biased because those are the things that I love. But <laughs> use these tools to live your life. Like do, use these tools to live your life. Don't keep yourself in a cage. Don't keep yourself behind a door. Don't keep yourself in chronic safety seeking mode. That's not how you live a life that is full of joy and growth and opportunity. Like open your heart to your life and trust that you've got tools that can help you to do that. Oh, that is so beautiful. So I guess when you do this journey with your clients, um, again, because a lot of you know these perfect women, these invisible women, ghost women are coming to you. You know, are there themes around like some of the things that they may be really scared to do that get them over the hump or even themes you see of the types of women that come to you versus maybe women who should come to you earlier? Like I, maybe just that dynamic yeah. of kind of that hump, wherever that hump might be that you see is, is common that might help someone who's trying to figure out what to do next. Yeah, sure. Um, so I would say there's women that come to me are kind of across the spectrum and I like to place it kind of in the, are we, are we moving from like, not like barely surviving to coping or are we coping to thriving? And there's sort of slightly different considerations that happen. If someone's already like coping and then we're moving on to thriving, there's often different concerns but if we're going from like surviving to coping, for me, that was when I entered my inner work journey, I was surviving and having to shift into a place of coping. And for me, as the kind of woman that I was, my biggest fear, the thing that I think stopped me for the longest time from even believing that something like inner work could help me or that healing work could help me was I was so scared to get soft like so, so scared to lose my edge. So, so scared that I was going to dissolve into this like hideous puddle of weakness and that everything that uh, was actually going very well in my life, career, relationship, these kind of things, that this was all going to get taken away from me because I was going to get weak and normal like everybody else. So that was like, for me, that was a huge block for me, making that first step into believing that actually learning how to speak your body's language, being able to hold all of your human experiences, becoming your biggest ally and friend, understanding your past and how it informs who you've become, really owning the fact that you didn't get what you need when you were younger. And that has impacted the way that you think and feel about yourself. Like all of this, I mean, I didn't even know that that was what I was needing, but all like the fear that stopped me was getting soft. Like the absolutely. Um, and then for people who have already got uh, some of that, 
self-work or inner work or self-awareness already embedded in them it's more of what I think is commonly termed as like self-actualization time I like to call it soul illumination where you're really going into this place of so what now so for me I did a couple of years of like deep healing and inner work and I it became very clear that I was ready to quit my job I was ready to start that business that I'd always talked about I was ready to write a book these were all things that were now possible for me so then it was more a fear around do I get to dream this big so then it was more around like you're wrestling with slightly different questions like am I as good as I think I am what do I need to unpack around that uh it's more it's more those kind of questions it's more like what's my purpose like why am like why am I here what's my special thing uh, and those are I love having those conversations too because we have so many blocks around that stuff too uh, but I think for people who are in that place where they're wondering can it get like can I actually go for my dreams the answer is yes but then it's a how do I get over the fear of perhaps caring enough about something to dare <laughs> to b- believe that you can um and then it's more I often I think a fear of failure or disappointment or not living up to our expectations and that brings some different conversations do you think that sometimes people when they want to reach for that next step of the dream once they've gotten to that healing could possibly be held up with not knowing where to begin and who to go to or where to go to help for help because they're so used to doing it on their own that now it's like so now it's next level so other people have to come in oh my gosh like do you find that as a trap Mm -hmm. as well and if so like how can people get beyond that I so I obviously now like I run my own business and I have a breathwork app and I have a book and none of these could have existed without me being willing to get help and support (laughs) like none of these would have been possible without mostly women to be honest in positions just ahead of me like a couple of years ahead of me or two years ahead of me mirroring or reflecting back to me this is possible and I think that this is where uh, it's really really important wherever you are in your journey whoever you are whatever like whatever it is that you're struggling with to really allow yourself to find those that feel similar to you kind of like I, I kind of like to think that we we all share soul fragments in common and if you have just enough of the same ones as me we'll probably do some really good work together I have found so much healing in in investing in mentorship and support and also like finding finding teachers who seem to be speaking a language that I can understand so I'll give you an example I have a breathwork app called soul and my vibe is like I am deeply practical I'm also pretty woo once you get to know me but I'm very very practical and I'm also other things like I'm a bit of a tomboy I'm a wee bit of a black sheep I'm kind of love and integrate and love these parts of me and I could never be a breathwork teacher that was super feminine, flowy, flowy, like mandala, mandala. Like that's just not me and it never will be. But me being able to own exactly who I am means that 
when some people find my work, they are mm-hmm. magnetized to it because they see some of themselves in me. And that to me is the job of all of us in, in this world is to get so damn comfortable in who you are and doing whatever work you need to do to clear any of the muck or the fear or the conditioning societal within your own life or otherwise clearing that so that you can be who you were always supposed to be before the world got its hands on you because that's a beautiful thing and one of the best ways to do that is to find teachers and just be in spaces around people that feel familiar to you and by familiar I just mean you feel like just enough of a connection with them and like spending time finding those people and then going for it (laughs) um that to me has been hugely like monumental FemPower Health is pleased to partner with the upcoming FemTech and Consumer Innovation Summit. The summit is the latest deep dive event, part of the Women's Health Innovation Series, looking to tackle this growing sector of women's health, having had continental success in driving innovation, investment, research, and partnerships in traditional women's health care by bringing together critical stakeholders. Join us in New York on June 7th and 8th as we channel this success into the consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code FEMPOWER15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there. For a long time, women were not my friends. Women were not people I like to, I like to spend time with. And through a lot of my own sort of relationship with myself it's now a really cool gift to not only work mostly with women but also to hire women to support me as well oh that's beautiful and so much of what you said resonates and one of the things that I now realize now that I've I've been through it is and I tell this to others if it one I say is if you don't know the answer then it's not time yet The other is if something like just seems so, so hard, it might not be the right thing or the right time. And, and how I finally saw this is I now live in Irvington, New York, and I was living in Manhattan for a really long time. And when I look back now, I'm like, I think my anxiety escalated around that time. It was also when my mother had died. So it's kind of hard to tell which was which, Um, but things got really, really bad during COVID and it kind of put everything that I had been feeling times a hundred million. And so I was looking for a place to live. And as soon as I drove up the street and crossed the town line into Irvington, my entire body changed. And it was like, this is where you're living. And I've traveled all over the world, always wondering where I'd retire. It was the first time in my life I had this feeling. And I told my son, I'm giving you extra ice cream. We're finding a house today. And we did. And even before I moved here, life got easy. And driving behind the moving truck, someone had reached out to me and learned that I was new to the community, invited me to their kid's birthday party on my drive before I even unpacked. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was just unbelievable how much I was powering through things. And I didn't even realize it. And so this this brings me to 
this emotional freeze that we may have or this trauma that we're dealing with it. It's not like we wake up saying, I can't wait to be frozen and just get through the day. We all are trying to get out of it. So rather than having like the breakdown I had in Manhattan, (laughs) crying, knowing I needed to get out of here, but I didn't know where to go. Like, how do we, I guess, be proactive or start to hear the little whispers before it gets yeah. so hard yeah oh this is such a good question Georgie because so I have like I have two I have two answers to this one is well for me in order for me to sometimes we need to get put on the floor of our life like sometimes we need to have a reckoning sometimes that is actually what has to happen I don't think it has to happen all the time but for me the only way I actually started to pay attention to what was not a sustainable way of living was my body just started shutting down hadn't had a period in years these like binge starve cycles that I was on were just going so crazy and I was on the floor of my life and it was only then where I was kind of in this similar way it sounds like you were in that place of like it was just all so tight and not okay but you didn't know what to do and then you sort of drove over the bridge and you can kind of feel the armor dropping off you it was kind of similar to me when I was just like okay not this anymore anything but this (laughs) and then it's that kind of surrendering to the thing so I do think some of us have to have these experiences that are rock bottoms. I don't wish them on anyone, but sometimes we sometimes need to be shaken awake. But to really answer your question around how do we how do we get better about noticing when things are just and again, subtle things, just like things that not through the course of our life, how do we get better at that? And it is by learning to speak your body's language. And the body's language is emotion. And sensation in the way that our mind's language are like thoughts that are often fear-based our emotional body the way that our body's actually feeling and holding things is sensation-based and it's emotion-based and that's why I think it's so important that whoever you are I don't care who you are I don't know what I don't care what your background is cultivate a language in your body and the way that I um the way that I teach that is breath work that is why I made my soul breath work app so that literally if anyone's like how do I how how do I learn to feel my emotions understand them work with them process them day to day so I can like if I'm feeling a little bit off what's up with that and be able to talk in that language that your body speaks breath work is the way that I did that Um, And it's the way, and again, I'm biased, but any kind of, we call it somatic, (laughs) somatic based work that can get you into a relationship with your body so that when you do feel tension, you can speak the language of that and figure out like, and soften it maybe through tension release or through breath. Or if you're feeling anxious, how do I ground this and drop this in so I can fall behind it and actually see what I need in this moment? Or for me, I don't tend to get, um, I don't tend to go into hyper arousal, which is that kind of fight or flight thing so much. I'm more of a tendency that to shut down and numb out, like I'll more, more, more fall into that sad, heavy oceanic thing. So then it's like, how do I 
what support does this need? How can I move this with breathing? Like, you know, whatever it is. But for anyone who is in any way thinking, I don't really know how I'm feeling or I need more language around my emotions or I feel a lot of emotions and I need something to process them. Or if you're like me, I feel no emotions and I need to turn my body back on. Something like breathwork is a great way to get into relationship with that part of you because it's a very wise part of us too. It really, yeah. it really is. Now, one thing that I've noticed, especially if life gets busy, I say, I'm okay. I've been doing okay consistently. You know, for me, like I have to journal um, or get outside for a walk. I have to do at least one of those. If I miss both, oh, forget it. <laughs> it's usually a rough day. And, but then I'll feel like, oh, I'm in a groove. I'm really busy today. I can skip. Oh, let me skip tomorrow too. And then, and then who, so I noticed that things start to get challenging again. And so, you know, can you talk to us about the the consistency and for us perfectionists who potentially could be all or nothing, sure. <laughs> what might be the balance in, uh, yeah. So the, in yes. keeping in touch with ourselves without overdoing the tendency that we've learned yeah. to do. <laughs> so my, the way that I look at it is this, sure, I'm a human being, you're a human being, but before, but I am a creature, I'm a creature and that means that I am an animal. I'm really just a mammal. And what do what do animals need? I always think like people are like, oh my goodness, I have all these issues, and and then it's also oh, and I was like, when did you last? When were you last outside? When did you last go for a walk? Um, do you, are you spending days inside your home? This is not how we're supposed to live. Like <laughs> in our sort of highly evolved, hyper connected world, that may feel like what real humans do that is not what that is not how we are made to thrive like our basic needs are for our nervous system to be regulated and the easiest possible way for us to do that is to be in our bodies and to be out there in the world like breathing feet on the ground I'm not saying you have to walk around barefoot like I do sometimes but like out there and to me that's not uh do I have time to walk that's I'm a creature and I need fresh air and so like that's that's one way that I like to think about it it's like it's not even it's not about doing a great workout or the perfect workout or doing this amount of breathing or whatever I I tell this to my clients all the time I am I wake up and within seven minutes normally I'm out the door it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. I live in Boston. If you know what the East Coast of the US is like, that means it can be anything from freezing to boiling to raining to anything in between. I don't care. Seven minutes and I'm out the door because all I want is I know that I'm a creature. And I think that for many of us, we forget that yep. that's actually that's actually all that we are. And then to your point around like black and white thinking or all or nothing, I totally get it. And this is where I invite everyone to lower their standards the right way. Make it so easy for yourself to win. Wake up, get outside for one minute and breathe some air. Just that in and of itself is so much better than not. So make it easy for yourself to win. Lower your standards the right way. Just make it so difficult to not do these things. Do you have clients who come to you and say, that's just not me? I hear that a lot with, with folks. It's just not me. When, any, when anyone says that's not me, 
all that shows to me is like that's just an example of a certainty or a fixedness in identity I am not this I am not that in the same way that we'll say I am a perfectionist or I am a confident person or I am not a creative person so if someone says that's not me I just like to be very curious about these things and ask questions what about it isn't you um have you have you had an experience where you like had a really bad time when you did that um what are you scared that it's not why wouldn't you try it and then it's often you just get an unraveling of perhaps fears around oh actually I'm just uncomfortable being outside (laughs) or um I don't think that would work for me why 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 you start asking yourself annoying child questions why 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 you often get pretty close to an answer that's very different than that's not me thank you for sharing that are there obvious things that hinder our ability to heal and i'm thinking um like social media um and other things like that because i know a lot of folks will say you know just stay off social media and again that black and white like all these things that we should stop doing and whatnot so you know, how, how should we look at getting out? And I, I honestly equate this to getting out into the world because when we're in our safe space, when we're out for the walk by ourselves or around the people that we really, really trust and have built in our trusted circle, I do find when I step out into the world that triggered me in the past, it's like really hard to remember all the things I've learn. And it could be through interacting with people who remind me of the people that used to trigger me or something on social media, who knows what it is, but I think all of us will have a trigger wherever it's, it's coming from. So I guess any advice on facing that reality, because we can't go into a cocoon. Oh, absolutely. And I, um, I love this question because I think that there's a beautiful phase for all of us where maybe we actually do need to cocoon and sort of heal up. I know for me, for example, when I was healing from my food and body stuff, I just, I did selectively unfollow everyone who did CrossFit. I used to do CrossFit. It was one of the ways that I very easily managed to mask ridiculous behavior. That was nothing to do with CrossFit. That was my engagement with it. I actually still, I love CrossFit. Long story short, um, I unfollowed all those people. I unfollowed anyone that was advocating for diet culture and Instead, I followed a couple of people. At that time, what I needed to see was people talking about what diet culture was, why that was real, and perhaps like one or two healing people that I really resonated with. And I sort of cocooned myself in that. And I actually did blot out parts of the world that were my old self, like the, the, the world that I had been in previously. And I really did cocoon myself in that. But then once I had healed and I now had tools to be able to recognize my thoughts and emotions as separate from me, understand my past and why I had evolved in this way, understand what perhaps diet culture was or societal expectation of body was, actually realize that I was sensitive to these things in a way that I didn't realize. And like reparenting my inner child, just like all the things once I had some of those tools embedded in me, then it was re-enter the world. 
like go back out into the world even I went I would go back into places where I had been previously and use my tools fall behind the feelings when they come soothe myself ground myself with breath if I had to uh, when I went to visit my parents at home in Scotland and they were still talking to me like I was that old version of me just practicing presence practicing falling behind it practicing all of these things that's all it is and I think that that's a that's like pure muscle memory that's pure practice we practice being ourselves in the world but first of all we need to understand who we even are understand that's also an ever-evolving journey but then once you have enough of that within you re-enter the world and trust that you've got the tools to stay in yourself to stay grounded it's not going to be perfect am I perfect at this absolutely not but I feel very comfortable and confident that I have everything that I need to be to be myself in the world and then also it's interesting like I now haven't even really thought about I don't follow I actually unfollowed all of the people that were related to diet culture and all and all the people that were advocating for it not being like because I moved on then too and that's I think another beautiful thing that you can be aware of in your own journey is like what I needed at that time was your body's good it's a neutral thing like this is diet culture blah 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 I have no interest in that stuff anymore really because I'm moving on to then I moved on to other things really selecting and choosing in this crazy world where you have access to everything what you focus on expands so you can curate what you experience you can also use that to show you the possibility of how amazing life can be and let people expand you I love that you know and it resonates so much because when I think about situations where even I've interacted with different people, when it's truly the core of who I am, where there is zero expectation, I just fully show up as me. Everything is just, I don't know, easy. It's almost like so easy. It's like an out of body experience because it's so connected to what is happening that I feel like I'm almost floating. And in the others, it's like a very controlled and then it's like constantly questioning things because it wasn't the pure me. And it sounds so unbelievably counterintuitive, but I'm just thinking back to like different situations that I've, I've been in. And hopefully this helps to just give an example to reiterate the great wisdom that you just shared about that. Because I think it's so important for us to, to get to know who we are I am more comfortable in certain spaces than others still. And that's okay. Do I feel like when I'm talking to my clients or when I've like created an experience and people that have signed up and they've all chosen to be there because we're vibing, of course, that's going to feel really flowy. Or when you're hanging out with your chosen family in this place that you've chosen to live in and it just so, and everyone's kind of appeared to you, of course, that's going to feel amazing. But that doesn't mean avoid the other places or when you're in a place that feels a wee bit stickier, like for so many people who are on a healing journey, actually sometimes the sticky place is family. The sticky place are the people that knew them before. Because also like family are the source of so much conditioning, right? Like whether or not it's intentional or otherwise, it happens. And so just being able to live in the, in the, in the nuance of that 
that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're, you haven't actually healed or that you're not actually yourself most of the time. It's just a recognition that some places feel great, some places less so. Can I still be as much of myself as I possibly, as I possibly can? Do the work to be yourself. Do the work, do what you love in the world. These are, these, both of these things are so available for us. Um, but takes some conscious effort to get there for most of us. Certainly did for me. So tell us about how we can stay in touch. So we know about the book, we know about the app, um, and there's obviously an ability to work with you. So walk us through each of those and and how we can take in more of your amazing energy. Yeah, sure. So at the moment, the two things I'm loving to point people towards, one is the Soul Breathwork app, which is in the app store, and you can try it free for seven days There are sessions in there from five minutes all the way up to like 45 to an hour. So I highly recommend start with the short ones. Um, And the most popular one, the one that everyone's like, oh my God, I didn't realize I had all these emotions inside. This was so beautiful. It's Breathwork for Love. So I highly start there. Um, And then if you, yeah, if you like, if you're interested in me, you like the vibe, you like the way I chat about these things, I have a private podcast um, that I've had for a couple of months now and you can find it at bravething.co forward slash goldmine uh, bravething.co forward slash goldmine it's a very unstructured riff-based me solo episodes talking about um kind of controversial I think often like controversial topics like I get into like cancel culture self-responsibility victimhood like all of these kinds of things um so if that is of interest to you, definitely come and join me there. Briefthing.co forward slash goldmine. Thank you for making time. This was awesome. Um, you're a special lady and uh, I really appreciate being able to connect with you. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me, Georgie. Thank you for tuning in to this discussion on the Fem Power Health podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to information that is referred to in this episode. And if you like this episode and found it timely and valuable, please take a moment to tell a friend or a colleague about Vempower Health. And right after this episode is over, please think of one person who might find this episode helpful and tell them about it. And if your friend is new to podcasting, please show them how to subscribe to our show. And another way to support Fempower Health Podcast is to leave a review where you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, the information shared by Fempower Health is not medical advice, but for information purposes to enable you to have more effective conversations with your doctor. Always talk to your doctor before making health-related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the Fempower Health Podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. See you next week. And that wraps up another empowering session here at the Fempower Health Podcast. Now, before you dash off, I've got a quick, exciting invitation for you. Please join our vibrant community by subscribing to our weekly newsletter, because it's really your frontline update on groundbreaking women's health research, the latest health-enhancing products, fun quizzes to boost your health IQ, and unique discoveries that you won't want to miss. All of this delivered straight to your inbox, cutting through the noise of 
social media algorithms. Love today's insights? Show your support by rating and reviewing our podcast. Your feedback is more than just a pat on our backs here at FemPower Health. It lights the way for others seeking guidance and community in their health journey, amplifying the voices that need to be heard. And for a deeper dive into today's topics, check out the show notes and explore our website at fempower-health.com. Our site is a treasure trove of knowledge, neatly categorized by topics of interest and life stage ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey. And your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share, or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com, drop us a message on social media, or hit reply on any newsletter. Your insights inspire our conversations. And a quick note, the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider. It's not medical advice. Always consult with your doctor for health decisions. And remember, the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys, and it's not an endorsement by FemPower Health. Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time, and I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.